When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. It's episode 40 of the Bitter Edge Supporters Trust podcast brought to you by the White Hag Brewing Company. And um, we have the usual crew. Uh, as always, we got Sean Dunn. We're on, uh, we're, we're broadcasting, we're not broadcasting, we're recording on Wednesday evening. We got Sean Dunn. Uh, Sean, how are things? All good, Connor. We got Magoo with us. Magoo, how are you? All good, Connor. A new photograph in the kitchen? No, last few weeks. Oh, sorry, I just noticed it. Very nice. There's the girls. And uh, Jerry O'Connor, uh, slightly distracted, but uh, 100% present. Jerry O'Connor is with us. Uh, so Jerry's watching the football. He's watching Ireland. He's watching Ireland, Portugal. So when you're listening to this, you know, you'll be uh, celebrating uh, an, uh, an unexpected win or you'll be, um, you know, you'll be suffering the, the consequences of another Irish loss. Uh, Sean is not watching the game and Shane is ahead of us all because he seems to have a faster connection or something. So he's. He's, but he's going to keep quiet throughout the game. Okay, so, um, and also just to say thanks to Barry Creed solicitors in Sligo, Dublin as well, uh, who uh, are an important uh, sponsor in the podcast. So, okay, we'll start where we started last week as well, just to give people an update on um, on where we are with our visit to the White Hag on Saturday, the 4th of September, so this Saturday coming. Um, we have a very limited number of tickets left. Tickets are moving along nicely. Um, uh, you can get them on the Bitter Red Supporters Trust website. So if you go to borst.ie, um, you uh, will find the link to purchase the tickets. It's all very simple and straightforward. You make a purchase with your uh, with your debit card, or your your Mastercard, or your Visa card, or whatever you're using. It's all very straightforward. So uh, people have been asking about the type of beers that will be available uh, out in the White Hag. I think I think that I think that, you know you've had a couple of queries about that, uh, Jerry, haven't you? Yeah, a few people asking uh, if they sell Heineken and things like that. Well, um, they won't be selling Heineken. Right? <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose it's it's fair to say, like, listen, um, not everybody is um, not everybody's on board the uh, microbrewery or craft beer yeah. bandwagon. And that's fair enough. I, but, I know, but, but it's like asking uh, going into a Nike store and asking, "Do you have any Adidas trainers?" <laughs> it is a bit like that. <laughs> that's fair enough. It is a bit like that. But, but the thing about it is, is that like, you know, there is something there for everyone, and like their uh, lager will be pretty much identical, but better than Heineken. Um, it's yes. you know local produce, local water, local ingredients, not made in you know tons and tons of gallons, made in small batches, and it's you yeah. know it's fresh, it's local, and it's. But- so they have um, Rock Hell's Lager, which is their own lager. They have a number of different uh, IPAs. They have a red ale. Um, they've got uh, my personal favorite little phone session IPA. 
and they've got the black pig dry stout for people who are into their their stout so if you're a guinness drinker you've got your stout if you're a heineken carlsberg drinker you've got your rock hell's lager um and if you've got if you're an ipa into your ipas you've got a load of choices there the other thing to say as well is that uh, what are you pointing at magoo well, just as you were saying that, there's a person below you on the screen picked up a big pint of Guinness up to his face there, so. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. You're pointing down the way, but you're at the bottom of uh, my little Zoom setup here, so I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so, yeah, listen, there's something there for everybody. And the other thing to say is that, like, uh, people will remember a number of years ago, the White Hag produced a very successful uh, uh, bit of red lager. What was it called? The Showgrounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was lovely. So they are doing something similar again. And um, so I think, uh, you know, I think we'll get the first opportunity to, uh, to taste um, what could eventually be their next uh, Rovers-related product or Rovers-related beer. So that would be pretty cool. So we get to ta- uh, taste that and um, give feedback as to whether we think um, it's going in the right direction and all that. And just to remind people also, um, you know, we're watching the Republic of Ireland at the moment and... Um, we will be watching the other, the next qualifier against uh, Azerbaijan at five o'clock out in the White Hag. Uh, tickets are just 35 euro. It's a bloody steal, really, like, you know. And you can get the trains coincide perfectly with us. What are the train tra- times, Jerry? Do you know them off the top of your head? We leave Sligo at five, two, three. Is that right? Uh, no, uh, five past. Five past three. And um, yeah. we return at 19.55 then. So you'd be back in Sligo about quarter past eight. Yeah. So if you want to stay out, you can stay out. Or if you want to go home, you can go home. So it's, you know, it's it's a nice time of the evening to be heading back into town. Yeah. Um, and just as well, uh, I was on to Fintan O'Neill there earlier on. So um, just we're going to uh, meet up maybe as a group at two o'clock in O'Neill's for uh, a couple of pints before we, we head headed to the train and, and that. So, uh, yeah, that should be a bit of a laugh down in O'Neill's as well. Yeah. Um... Uh, that's great. That's 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 yeah. That's great as well. Um, and Magoo, you were asking me during the week whether um, you know what's the story with COVID and whether you need your COVID certificate. And that's a good question. And it is being treated as kind of any um, like any uh, official and legitimate event. Uh, if you're going attending, you're going indoors. Uh, you gotta have your you gotta have your COVID certificate. Yeah. So that's you do need to have your your COVID certificate. Um, and what else do I have to say about it? Um, so they'll also have a couple of beers. They'll be selling beers. Good man, Bob Coggins, never miss an opportunity. They'll be selling beers to us on the way out the door for the train on the way back. Um, so, <laughs> so that's yeah. um, that's yeah. on the offing too. Yeah. Just just before we finish up on up that, Connor, look, I know you're bigging up the ticket sales and all that, but look, it's been fairly fairly okay, in fairness, the ticket sales. Thought it probably would have gone, gone a bit better considering the value and what, what what's on show. But uh, so, look, if there's anybody out there that's sitting on the fence, uh, kind of to and fro as to, to go, I'd ask them, look, will you support us? We put a lot of work into this. Um, you know, it's been, we've been working on it for the last month. So we really appreciate your support. And we, we promise you that you'll have a great day and you'll go home drunk. Yes. Uh, there's loads of people going. It sounds like there's no one going, Jerry. There's a heap of people going. Um, and we will have we're gonna have a great time, there's no doubt about it. And what you'll find is the next time we do it, um, people will the next time we do it, it'll be it'll be chocolate blocked, like you know, yeah. Because um, actually, just just on that as well, comment like the time we done a uh, symphony of dance, 
Alan, Alan Cairns organizer, right? And like that too, it was like, it was actually probably one of the best, the best nights I've ever had in my life. It was absolutely fantastic. And everybody that was at it said the same, yeah. right? And the tickets sold well first, but every single person that was at it said that had an unbelievable night and that they would 110% go to the next one. Yeah. And loads of other people, like loads of people were saying to us, oh, I wish we went, I wish you went. I heard it was unreal. Yeah. Um, so I just think there's an element of that to this too. Like, look, no other League of Ireland club uh, has organised anything like this in the past. Like, we've got uh, Michael Mulvey's doing the music. We've got, you know, the, the game. We've got the open bar. Like, you know, for 35 quid, it's unreal. And I just think there's an element of, like Symphony of Dance, when that comes back, that's going to be sold out. And I think yeah. this is going to be such a good day that this, if we do it again, it'll be a sellout. Yeah, yeah. So, like I, I, and you and me, and, you know, well, the rest of us, we had, I thought we should have been charging way more because of the value, um, but we yeah. did decide to keep it at 35. I mean, what you get for the 35 quid is is great. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Uh, also coming up, Jesus, we never, I should have said, uh, Sean, very sorry, very sorry. Uh, Sean has spoken to um so i suppose there was that kind of period around before the the, the millennium uh, where rovers had quite a nice team together uh, that resulted in a league cup victory uh and one of the players involved in that team was uh, englishman marcus Holl- marcus hollows and um he played for rovers for like around two seasons was he he was top goal scorer one season was he yeah he was yeah so his final season i think yeah, and he went to Pats then, and he uh, actually Liam Buckley, I think, uh, signed him uh, at. Did he sign him at Pats? I think Pat, the, Dolan, I think the, Pat Dolan signs him, but Liam Buckley is then manager. Pat Dolan moves up to director of football. Oh, I thought it went the other way around. I thought um, Buckley signed him, and they got rid of Buckley, and Dolan came in. But anyway, I, I, what do I know? Anyway, that's there, but that's just his own words in the you know, right. Okay, okay. So uh, what we're saying is, uh, Dunner's gone off and uh, spoken one on one. He's done a one on one interview with former Rovers uh, striker Marcus Hallows. Uh, he's an interesting guy, and um, he was a big personality. And more often than not, you see him in the papers now because of his uh, Elvis. His uh, side, his side hustle as an Elvis impersonator, um, which I think started in Sligo. Did he? Did he? Did you talk about that? Yeah, he does it himself and Nicky Brujos uh, on the bus from coming home from away days, and if there was a victory, he breaks out the guitar, and I let him tell you yourselves in the interview. Okay, okay, so we've that coming up as well. Um, and uh, how are we getting on? Joe, still nil all there in Faro, yeah. Yeah, thirty-eight minutes gone. Uh, we've created some decent chances, and. Uh, we're starting to really come out of our shell. Uh, Liam Brady said, I know we don't, we shouldn't be talking about the earning game, but Liam Brady said before kickoff that Kenny's got three games to prove himself. As far as, week, as, yeah. far, as far as, as far as Brady's concerned, whether he's doing yeah, well, it or not. Well, the players are doing it for him tonight. Uh, and Jamie McGrath is actually having a really good game in the field as well, which is great to see. Yeah, former LOI man. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, do you know what? We're going to start with a bit of correspondence, some written correspondence from Sean O'Rourke. Uh, better known as sorry, Sean Rourke, not O'Rourke, better known as Sean from America. I'm just trying to find the email that he sent me. Did you mean Sean Rourke? Yes, I did. Here we go. Okay, so email from from Sean, and he's wondering, he says, I'm wondering if Jordan was causing an issue in the dressing room. Question mark. It's, the timing of this move, move seems weird to me. Uh, we we're in a battle for a European place, and we set our top goal scorer. 
Uh, the line from Liam Buckley about focusing on the rest of the season and having no distractions just seems to me that there was some issue in there. Uh, we'd, I would like to hear your thoughts on it. So um, the big news is uh, this week, obviously, is that Jordan Gibson has gone to Carlisle uh, League Two. Is that right? Uh, for, yeah, League yeah. Two, yeah. For an undisclosed fee. I think I they're 13th in League Two. 13th and League Two. We, I mean, we've no, we obviously we've no inside knowledge of what an undisclosed fee would be. What, what would you suggest it might be? Are we looking at 10, 20,000? I'd say that just the remainder of his contract, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, and we've no idea as to whether or not uh, Jordan Gibson was causing any trouble in the dressing room. I would say he wasn't because we've, we've been singing his praises for the last number of weeks anyway. I mean, um, in his most recent games, he's been put in the most recent game, actually, in the showgrounds, he put in a serious shift. And we, we said that in the podcast. So, Sean, what are your thoughts on on the loss of Gibson for the rest of the season? Well, it's clearly a big loss. He's probably one of our more outstanding players at the start of the season, especially. But in the last few weeks, we've seen a drop off in performances, uh, not effort as such, but his performances haven't been amazing. But um, I don't know if he would have been causing an issue in the dressing room. He may have been unhappy. He may have been a little bit homesick or something like that. It there yeah. could be the reasons he is a young enough lad, but I'd assume this move has been coming a while. Yeah. Because this isn't just something, a, a lot of things add up where his drop off in performance, maybe him slightly being unhappy and, you know, the talk maybe of Carlisle coming in for him. Head turned. Head turned, exactly. <laughs> You know, but it could have been it could have been as easy as that. Yeah. And he's seen an opportunity to get back home, get back into English football. Maybe he yeah. felt it was something he couldn't turn down. I personally think it's a bad move on his behalf. I think he's gone into a a league that really doesn't offer much in League Two. I think he's gone then to a club that isn't known for stability. It's up yeah. and down financially, managers sack left, right, and centre. Uh he could easily get caught up in the crowd over there. Whereas I feel if he had stayed here for another season, at least you could get a top end league one club or a bottom end championship club and have a bigger chance of exposure and progressing in your career. But look, it's up to the lad. I wish him well. He served as well while he was here. Um, Magoo, uh, like I suppose, I, I mean, we had said it on the podcast privately, maybe, maybe not on the podcast. I suppose nobody really expects him to be around next season. Um, that's not to say that he hasn't made a, 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 a significant contribution since he was here, uh, top goal scorer at the moment. Um, but um, how do you feel about it? Do you think? Uh, do you think if 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 there's interest and his head is turned, the club? Do you think the club should have let him go anyway? If if that's just <clears> the way it was, it was going to play out, instead of putting up a fight and trying to convince him to stay, and then he stays, they give him an extra hundred quid a week and he stays, but his heart isn't in it, you know. Yeah, look, like I presume, as Sean said, it's it. This isn't a spur of the moment thing where Carlisle went up, rang up on Tuesday night and he was gone on Wednesday. Like it's this would have been happening over weeks, so maybe they did try and convince him to stay, and it just wasn't happening. He he didn't want. You could see, like, you no, know, the last day we were saying that um, his head, Jerry was actually on about it, and he was, you know, he was beating himself up, and he was he was looking very despondent at the times and stuff, which wasn't like him so far this season. It was obviously just. He was really down, you know. The head was dropping, the hands were up in the air. It was just there was more on his mind, obviously, than just than just probably the game itself. And all this stuff was in the back of his mind for the last few weeks, I suppose. So it's it's the right move for everybody in that case. I think if if he doesn't want to be here, then there's no point in having him here. 
we can't have any passengers for starters. Um, so another plus I did, if you're going to get a bit of money for him for a couple of months left in the contract, then it's uh, I think it's, it's it's a great move for both parties. Yeah, uh, Jerry, any final thoughts on 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 Gibson? Are you are you kind of do you feel that it's fair enough that he leaves? His heart's not in it. Uh, yeah, um, look, it's 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 a bit disappointing to, to lose a, a talented player. But, um, look, as the lads are saying, I think his head was turned. And I said, I think once that happens, I think the better the, the, the player is better to go. Um, and look, in fairness to just listen to what Liam Buckley was saying, you know, they said, look, if, if an English team came in for him, they'd, they'd, they'd um, you know, they'd, and it, it suited the club. In terms of finance, that they they allow him to go, but I think what Sean said there, I think he's gone. He went too quick. I think, you know, do you go the with the first offer? Yeah, you know, League Two is a tough, tough league. Um, he could get, he could have a bit of a creak in his neck, to be honest with you. Um, looking at the bug over his head. So, uh, but look, best of luck to him. Um, and look, the money that's been brought in, whether it be. 10 or 20, I heard the, the figure of 11, but nobody really knows to be honest. Yeah, I'd say people are just thinking, oh, probably 10,000 starting and they rounded up to 11,000 euros. But whatever the case it is, it'll pay for his replacement. So that's a good bit of business on, on the part of the club. So, And Jordan's happy to, to be away. So it's it's good for everyone. I wonder would he have been as eager to move if we were still challenging up the top of the table? If we hadn't been in the run, we were in. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's yes, I think that's the the you know like when Sean talks about um, you know issues in the in the dressing room, like there there there's an issue around morale at the moment. There's no doubt about it, as as you would expect after a recent uh, run of form. So it's how you know you the manager's probably making an assessment on how people are dealing with that, and like obviously there's been you know the 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 deck chairs have been moved around a little bit with Gibson heading off. Uh, Lorenzen and, and Wright coming in. Uh, we've got 11 games left. We've got no distractions. There's no. Yes, 1 0 Ireland. Get out of town. Yeah. I'm behind you here. Yeah. I get to see it. John Egan. Get out of here. Connolly. Egan. Egan. Oh. Yeah. Corner. I thought ruined it for me. I heard the corner now. Right. <laughs> so, um... well, oh, starts. yeah, great finish. Mm-hmm. Penny, this wasn't a live pod. We might sell a, we might sell a few dozen tickets at the back of that. I know, yeah. Jeez, we're selling on the back. Of it. But Connor, just, just um, what I was going to say there, like, you know, uh, like jumping at, like this. He's a young footballer, right? And I just think that this would be actually a good learning experience for him if he was to stick it out. Because are we talking about Gibson? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I think that you learn. Not John Egan. Talking about no. Um, but you know like times of adversity you probably learn more about yourself and know better how to deal with things so it just feels like right we're going through a bad patch he's got his first off- offer bang gone what do you what uh, as a player what do you learn from that nothing yeah yeah I think that's a fair enough point um, but like we've spoken about it we've been speaking about it for weeks and weeks now about the issues up front um, the club have done something about it now in recent weeks uh, this is the, the question that I was getting to. Uh, Lorenzo comes in, Wright comes in. He needs to make space, I suppose, Donner, doesn't he? If if and, and if th- these two guys have to play as well, he's not. You're not going to bring a guy, in, bring one of these guys in, or Andre Wright to sit in the bench. These guys are going to play, and he needs space to get him. 
No, Andre Wright definitely comes in to start. There's no two ways about that. And I would say Lorenzen isn't far behind that either. Obviously, we know more about Wright, so we're, we're in a better position to say that he's capable of coming in starting straight away, you know. But um, from what we hear about Lorenzen, and I've heard reports from training as well that he's he's impressed greatly, that he's actually really, really good, really impressive. So uh, maybe there is a case for him to come in straight away. But uh, I think I can look at one positive as well from Jordan going. It's not a criticism on him at all. But I think it opens us up tactically a little bit more. I think that we were so um, we we're so structured into the fact that he had to play in number 10 all the time that that's, we could only go with that 4-2-3-1. We were always factoring him in as the number 10. Whereas now you're a little bit more open to playing two up top. You can you can cancel out your number 10. You could go three in the middle of just McDonald, Morahan and Bulger. A really industrial midfield with, with a lot of quality in it that I think would opposition teams would find very hard to break down. And then if you're given the option then of putting Johnny Kenny and Andre Wright up top, I think that pairing could cause absolute mayhem for teams. So three five two. That's that we, that's what you're looking for. Yeah, I think you could finally go with that three five two, and I think it'll be really successful. I think it has all the components there. Presume McCourt is back and ready McCourt, to go. Yeah, McCourt and Banks as your as your wing backs, as I says, the tree in the middle as it is, and then you can either have Buckley, Blaney, Aman, or Kane, whichever one of the whichever one of Blaney and Kane you want to put in beside the two boys as your three centre has, but even then you can rotate between Kenny and Lorenzen up top because he can play a striker as well. Yeah. So and it probably backs up it probably backs up Magoo's point as well that this this didn't just happen overnight. Like um like Lorenzen was signed before Gibson went. So they obviously Oh they knew. knew. Yeah. 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 So it it all adds up and it makes sense. And look, I think we we've come out maybe we've come out better out, but you never know. Like but but just going back to the point, young player leaving and ah, look, I think I don't know who's advising him or anything like that, but I think he's been given the wrong advice. Yes, you do, Jerry. Yes, you do. <laughs> friend, friend of the after show or uh, the aftermatch reception. <laughs> I cut it out. Don't worry, I cut it out. Um, right, okay, okay. Doesn't matter now. It doesn't, it doesn't matter now. Yeah. Um, unless the old fella comes over looking for us. Um, Magoo, what do you think? I mean, <laughs> something, something had to give to at the same time, Magoo, Magoo up top. Like, we couldn't keep doing the same thing and it not working. Well, we could do, but we, we're, something had to change, and that's the manager's done. He's, he's taking a gamble. I'd say, but like, <clears throat> it would have, as we were saying for a week beforehand, it, uh, something had to change, but it wasn't changing. It was, as Sean said, it was the same thing every week you know it's the definition of madness do the same thing and look for a different result like it was just over and over again. like even if Gibson had to stay something had to change you know you had to either be switched out to the wing or <clears throat> maybe someone else come in for him for a few games or just switch it up a bit but now with Sean says we have that option everyone's coming in fresh fighting for the place there's nobody like even the lads who were there like Ryan and Walter and that they, they haven't there's no they haven't a, a, a starting Burton held down. They haven't done that all season. So basically the top four is is up for grabs now for everybody who's left. So hopefully that'll be for the, our benefit as well. You know, every man fighting for his place. Come here, is that what, are you thinking top, are you thinking <clears throat> we're fighting to keep in the top four as opposed to fighting to hold on to our third place now? Well, I think, it, no, I think uh, like 
obviously for us to finish anywhere in top four, we have to start picking up results and quickly starting this weekend. If we start picking up results, I think that takes Derry out of it because we have two games in hand them. So it's basically between us and Bowles then after that is what you could say. So, like, you know, at this stage, if you were to finish fourth and still get into Europe, but one of the other boys winning the cup, you you take that. Now, like, it's, you know, third and fourth is much of a madness if walking into Europe. Yeah. It's just starting to put points on the board now to take Derry out of the equation. Yeah. And uh, that starts on Friday night uh, as we go into our final set of games in uh, Head in the Game Park, formerly United Park against uh, Dundalk. We'll talk about Hockey that. Dories. What's that, Magoo? Hoggy Dories. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that one. Oh, um, two, Martin. Huh? Oh, two. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Did I miss that? Look, it's United Park. Um, yeah. So we'll speak of that after we hear from uh, former Sligo Rovers striker uh, and former St. Pat's striker, uh, Marcus Hallow, who spoke to Sean Don a little bit earlier on. Marcus, welcome. It's great to have you on with us, mate. Uh, joined by, I suppose we can say, royalty because not many players get to win silverware with Sligo Rovers and you're one of the lucky few. <laughs> Yeah, I would say they've been slightly more successful from where, when I was there. But uh, yeah, it was good to win a, a League Cup medal. We'll get on to your Sligo Rovers days uh, in a little bit. But uh, Marcus, take us back to the start of it all. Where did it all kick off for you? Where did it kick off with regards... Your footballing career. Footballing career. Yeah, well, I was at Bolton Wanderers. I'm a Bolton lad. I was at Bolton Wanderers from the age of 10 till 15. Um, and back in the day... Uh, if you was good enough, you got offered a, a YTS, it was called, or apprenticeship. Unfortunately, I didn't get offered one, so uh, went on to do a couple of years at sixth form, studying um, and just playing football for the college. And then at 17, 18, I broke into the non-league scene um, with a team called Horwich RMI, a non-league local team. And from there... Um, progressed into the first team had a couple of seasons and then funnily enough uh, Bolton Wanderers ended up signing me as a professional when I was like 19 turning 20. How was that when Bolton came back calling again? So it must have been a proud moment. Oh, it was definitely because it was a dream come true. Um, my father played for Bolton Wanderers back in the 60s and 70s um, so it was in the blood um, and you know, a local boy, um, all you want to do is play for your for your local team. And yeah, it was a dream come true, really. Um, and the the amazing thing was, um, I was actually watching Bolton in the playoffs um, before I signed for them uh, against Reading at Wembley. And um, they went up from the Championship into the Premier League for the first time. Um, so we're going back to 1995. Um, and... Yeah, it was mad, you know, um, signing for them at the beginning of the, the season. Going into would, the Premier, shit, yeah. Would that have been pre-Sam Allardyce? Yeah, very pre-Sam Allardyce. It was Colin Todd era. Yeah. So what kind of players would have been involved in around the first team then with Bolton? Because they've always had a good squad of players, even throughout the early 90s. Oh, it was a great squad. So you had Keith Brannigan in that. Um you had uh, Goodney Bergson centre half with Alan Stubbs, um, Jimmy Phillips left back, Scott Green right back, Scott Sellers in the centre of midfield with 
Um, a Dutch midfielder called Richard Snakers, and then I don't know if you've heard of Sasa Sershik. Oh, yeah. uh, John McGinley, you'll have heard Owen Coyle. John McGinley, Owen Coyle, Alan Thompson, uh, who played for Villa and Celtic. Um, Nathan Blake, Mixu Patalainen, a Finnish guy, and a Dutch lad called Fabian De Freitas. So it was, it was high competition. I went in at the deep end, if you know what I mean. I, looking back, I'd have probably been better going to a, a League Two club like Bury or Rochdale or something like that, lower down the leagues. But hey, you know, they came calling and and it was, like I said, it was a dream come true to sign. So I got my first pro contract with, with Bolton. And tell us, how long were you with Bolton then in total? I was just with them for that season, uh, for the 12 months. So I played regularly in the, in the reserves. Um, and uh, at the end of that season, they got relegated, unfortunately. So I got, well, I, I was released at the end of end of that season. They had to trim the trim the squad down. Um, and unfortunately, I was, I was one of them. That must have been a hard thing to bounce back from again. You know, twice being let go from your boyhood club. You know, it's it's a it's a big knock to take as a footballer when maybe that's what you were yeah, striving yeah, I mean, to be. Listen, you know, yeah, it's full of ups and downs, and unfortunately, there was a a time where I was doing really well, scoring regularly in the reserves. I mean, because to be fair, the reserve league in the Premiership, I mean, it was tough competition. I mean, as a forward, I was up against players I can name a few going back in the day: David Unsworth when we played Everton. David Unvers and uh, Steve Watson, um, Philippe Albert, who played for Newcastle, was up against him one game. Um, Alfinger Harland, you know, Harland, who's playing for yeah. Borussia Dortmund, his dad when he was at Nottingham Forest. So it was tough competition. It was, you know, even though it was his reserves, you, the, the standard was probably like, I would say, Championship League, you know, league standard, really. Well, you've named out international footballers there as well, you know, so it's definitely at a very high standard. Yeah, and and, and not to mention when we played Manchester United, I played against Skulls and Beckham um, down at Burnham Park, the, the you know the former ground of Bolt Wanderers. So yeah, it, it was it was hard. Yeah, it was it was hard pill to swallow at the end of that season when um, I got asked out onto the pitch when it was. D-Day and uh, Colin Todd said, um, unfortunately, we're not going to extend your contract. And I, I was just in a bit shocked and I just walked away. I wish I'd have probably questioned him because at a time, if I sort of go back what I was going to say before, um, I was doing well in the reserves, I was scoring and there was a couple of injuries in the front line. So like before me, there was John McGinley, Owen Coyle, Nathan Blake, Mixu Patalainen and Fabian De Freitas and then there was me so I was like sixth in line and um, I was doing a bit extra in training and unfortunately I thought I was doing some some good and, and in fact I tore my cartilage for the first time um, doing extra and that put me back about six to seven weeks at a time when I was probably going to get on the subs bench in, in the first team so it is yeah, football is a funny game good. the way it works Oh, it is, mate. Yeah, it is. And then it's... You know, I, had well, I not had the injury, I could have probably maybe got a sniff on the bench and you never know what happens from there. You get on maybe last half an hour, you get a goal and that's that's you. You start, you know, that's how, how the players get the break and unfortunately it wasn't to be. It really is 90% luck, 10% talent. 
Yeah, so from there, um, I went training with Bury Football Club and Stockport County. And um, I ended up signing for Stockport County. Um, I was there for about three months, didn't see eye to eye with the manager. Um, he was playing me in the reserves, I was scoring, but then he was trying to offload a couple of his strikers. So he was playing me in midfield and on the wing, which I preferred playing up front. And it just got a bit messy, me and him didn't see eye to eye. And then that's when I got the call from uh, from Sligo Rovers. So tell us, how does this come about? This role? Well, the manager at the time who rang me was... Um, he came in after Steve Cottrell, so it was Jimmy Jimmy Mullen. Oh yeah. Now he was only round. I think he was only there for maybe two or three months, if that. Um, so he brought me in, came over, and great guy, and you know loved his training. Um, real nice bloke. And um, then Nicky Reed um, came in as player manager, and um, yeah, so. The Nicky Reed era, I really played in. And tell us, how did you find the coming over here first? Because it's obviously a massive change from the English game, infrastructure-wise, um, and you know the size of the league itself. Yeah, it was. But listen, all I wanted to do was, was to play for a team, and um, Sligo gave me the opportunity. I came over, I was welcomed. Um, I hadn't been over to Ireland before that. Um, my granddad is is from from Tume in Galway. So it was good to go back back to my roots as, you know, sort of. Uh, yeah, so it was good good to go over there. And I stayed in digs with a family at first. In fact, it was Conor O'Grady's uh, house where I stayed at first with his mother and father. They had um, like a, a B&B. Rosalind and Kevin. So I, yeah, so I stayed there. That that was where I first stayed. The, the, the club put me up there. And, yeah, it was great. Yeah, different infrastructure. You know, the ground was probably like non-league grounds over here. Um, but, yeah, I, I just wanted to get going again. And I think I scored in my debut against Dundalk. In fact, Hutch set me up. It was a, a header, I remember it, yeah. remember it well. <laughs> first game against Dundalk, scored a header, Hutch... Uh, Got the assist, and uh, yeah, it was good. Um, there was when you was walking through the town, people acknowledging you, you know, because it's only a smallish. Well, small, I know it's quite a large place, but the town's quite small in the centre of Sligo, and yeah, it was good. Was, was that a change in itself? Coming from Bolton, yeah, where yeah, coming into a town where you might have known the face, but they knew you. Yeah, definitely, yeah. No, it was it was good, yeah, because I wasn't really recognised only probably around the ground at Bolton Wonders, but being recognised in the town itself was was good, yeah. Kind of liked it. And the lads, you know, different. There was Irish, Scottish, Dutch, you know, English. Quite it was a, a weird, a mixture. yeah. It was a different, uh, it was a very strange collective of players at that time. Yeah, would have had a big influx of British players coming over between Scottish lads and English lads like yourself. And I think he, what was it? one Dutch lad, Mark Kuberson, wasn't it? Was over then as well. Peter Kuberson, yeah. Peter Kuberson, sorry. And yeah, Peter Kuberson. And then Johnny Hawks, Johnny Hawks. Oh, Johnny Hawks would have been there at the well. time as well, yeah. yeah. Oh, Welsh as well. We had uh, Allard Rollins. 
winger. He was a Welsh lad. He came from Man City. Um, reserves, I think. Yeah. Uh, there was a big conveyor play- belt of players at the time as well, wasn't there? There was a lot of players always coming and going through trials and stuff like that. Yeah, there was. Yeah. We, we sort of, yeah, we did have a bit of a mixture and um, I I had I got injured again. The cartilage, the one I did when I was at Bolton, went again, um, which put me out of action for a bit. That, that first um, stint that I had over there, I think I played a couple of months and I got injured and I had to go back to England and have an operation. Then I came back for the start of the next season. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was good. We, we did all right in the league. We weren't, you know... We were sort of middle of the table. Looking at the squad, do you feel you should have done better? Because, you know, there was a lot of talented players within that team and especially mixing it with the youth that was coming through the through Sligo Rovers at the time as well. Like, as you mentioned already, the likes of Conor O'Grady, there was Glenn Shannon yeah. coming through. Glenn Shannon came in, yeah. Uh, Sean um, Flannery would have been in there. Sean Flannery, yeah, yeah. You know, there was yeah, a good did. intake of you coming in as well and blended with the experience of yourselves, you know, within the team. It maybe, do you think it maybe didn't hit the heights it should have? Yeah, probably didn't. Um, I think, you know, we didn't get the rub of the green in some matches. I know, I know we, we didn't sort of lie down. We were, we were a, a team of battlers and all that, um, you know, with the likes of Booksy and Lee Chu and... Um, you know some of the some of the guys who played at, at centre half. Um, Neil Ogden, who played in middle of the park, he was a good player. Hutchie, you know all. You know we uh, we should have done better than we did, really. But we did we did go on an unbeaten streak. I think um, I think it was one of the longest unbeaten runs. Not they may maybe took over it now, but I'm not sure. I think when Nicky B was in charge, we we hit a record of an unbeaten run, something like that. I think yeah, it was you might know more than me. <laughs> <laughs> and and look, obviously it was a successful team in some aspects. You won a League Cup. You know, we had yeah, one we in 1994. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, and, again, well, and against yeah. a very formidable Shelburne team at the time as well. Yeah, it was, yeah, because you had your man, um, Gagan, yeah. and Sheridan, and... Um, the Castello brothers the guy, as well. The big guy at the back, what was he called? Darker, oh, so, uh, Scully. Scully, that's it, yeah. That's Scully, yeah. So, we yeah, had they a, had a good team. Yeah, great team. Alan Goff and goals and... Uh, yeah, Alan Goff, two, yeah. Two Castello brothers as well were there. You know, they were a, they were a loaded team at the time. And Desi, Desi Baker and his brother. Desi, yeah, that's right. So, you know, to beat that Shelburne team, it was no mean feat, you know, it was a... It was a big success for Sligo Rovers at the time, like so. To be part of that must have been a, a massive achievement for you. Yeah, it was definitely. It was just a, it was just a pity I couldn't play in the second leg at Tolka, but I was there um, in the crowd cheering them on. And no doubt, uh, knowing your reputation as a team around that time, you, you celebrated for a few days after that. Oh, we did, yeah. No, we did. It was a good crowd. Um, Sligo took to Tolka in the second leg. Did 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 we win? 1-0 in the first leg and then did we draw in the second leg? Yeah, 1-0 in the first leg. Neil Ogden scores. Yeah, he did, yeah. So he's, and uh, then it's a nil all in the second leg. But I think all, yeah. Teams, yeah. Yeah, both teams have good chances. I think Park Moran could have wrapped it up for us, but Alan Goff makes a great save. Yeah, yeah. So, but, um, no, yeah, good you times. Know, your record speaks for itself at Rovers. I think you were a goal every second game. 
you know, it yeah, averages I think it out. Was, yeah. Like so, you, you know, I always kept, I always kept a record, and uh, I always tried to, you know, get a ratio of one in two. If I wasn't getting one in two, I was a bit miffed. Yeah, yeah, I went but, I did, but, yeah I, did have, I did have quite a good record, yeah, on one of the seasons. And then in the, I think your last game for the club is, uh, it's actually very, I, I could be wrong in saying this, but I'm nearly 100% sure that it was uh, a very important one for us. I think you scored a winner it to was. keep us up. I scored both goals, actually. We yeah. played Derry City. Um, in the showgrounds It was at the showgrounds, yeah. Had we lost, we'd have gone in the relegation playoff. Yeah. But we won and that kept us up. And uh, yeah, that was my last game, unfortunately. That's uh, I remember as a young fellow being at that game and, you know, just seeing that team, I thought maybe you might have signed back, but th- then you end up signing for St. Pat's. Yeah, well, I, I had Derry City in for me as well. Derry was in for me and St. Pat's and Derry flew me and my girlfriend at the time. Well, she's my wife now, but she was my girlfriend. Um, they flew us out to Derry and very hospitable and very, you know, um, welcoming and put us up in a nice hotel and um, showed us around the city and stuff like that. And then at the last the last gasp, um, Pat Dolan rang me up and um, and I said, well, I'm on the verge of signing for Derry. And he said, well, let me, let me fly over and meet you. So then he flew into Manchester and met in a hotel and I ended up signing for him. And was um, was Sligo Rovers completely off the cards at that point? Once the season had ended, was it you were always leaving? No, it wasn't completely off the cards. Um, but it just uh, when when them two offers came in, it was I don't know. It was a new experience. I thought I'd I'd done my time at Sligo. Um, Pats were the champions at the time, so it was. Um, the introduction of the champion, you know, the prelim- preliminary round of the Champions League, I thought would be a nice touch. Oh, yeah. And and also going seeing a different part of Ireland, living in Dublin. Um, a few things sort of uh, to bear in mind at the time. And yeah. Um, I suppose I after, the, se- after the season we had just had as well, fighting relegation, probably looked at maybe a, a better career option to be moving into European football and maybe challenging for more honours as well. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, and tell me, how did you find your time at St. Pat's? Up and down, really. I mean, at the time, Pat Dolan was, he'd moved upstairs as a director of football or some, whatever you want to call it. And Liam Buckley was actually the manager. Who's your manager now? Yeah. (laughs) And, um, I actually played with Liam at Sligo when I first came over. I think he was sort of coming towards the end of his career. And played up front with him in a couple of games. He used to travel from Dublin to play play at the showgrounds. Um, so I know Liam quite well. And um, yeah, Liam was manager, loved it, loved the training and everything. And it was only when Liam got dismissed, then Dolan came back in the frame. And he was a control freak didn't really see eye to eye with him and it just went downhill from there really and in hindsight looking back thinking did I make the right decision going to St. Pat's should I have maybe gone to Derry Um, just how things had turned out I wish Liam had remained in charge but 
but he didn't. Um, yeah, and it got it got a bit messy with Dolan, and in the end, it forced me to move back to England. I think had I not had this disagreement or bust up with him, then I probably would have stayed in the league. Well, it definitely would have stayed in the League of Ireland because it came to a point whereby other teams in the League of Ireland wanted to sign me, but he wouldn't let me go because I was under contract and they were paying me decent money and he still wouldn't let me go. Um, so in the end, they had to go go back to England and play in the uh, the National League in the conference. At that point, just when you're talking about that time of Pats, because I remember at the time hearing about it, but um, was there an offer from Sligo Rovers to come back again? They might have been, but I didn't hear anything of it. <laughs> Do you hear lots of rumours around Sligo at the time? It was just... Was think, it? Yeah, there was... I don't, I don't, there was yeah, talk I about t- it, but it was kind of people just yeah, putting two t- together. I would have t- gladly have come back, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was weird, really. I mean, the first season I played there, uh, I think I ended up second top scorer, played up front with Trevor Malloy, very good player. Um, Gilzine was obviously there as well. He came back in the frame. Um, and, I, and I loved it. And after Liam went, yeah, I think what, well, I know what it was. The start of the season, the second season, I had tendonitis on my kneecap. I had patella tendonitis. And it was, if I can explain the pain, it was like toothache, but in your knee. So it was like just throbbing every time. And when I went seeing the specialist, it was because I was overdoing it. I mean, at Pats, you had half the team who was full-time and you had half the team who was part-time. So the full-time was training in the morning and in the evenings as well. So it was just overuse. Uh, I was a fit I was a fit guy and it didn't bother me, but it just held me back. So when we were going into the second season, um, I said to Pat, I'd been and seen the specialist and he's and Pat knows I put everything into the running and stuff. And I and I sort of said to him, Listen, I don't want to I don't want you to think I'm I don't want to do it, but they told me to take it easy. I, I just want to ease myself back into pre-season. I don't want to go full throttle, as it were. And he thought I was pulling the wool over his eyes, and he sort of didn't really see where I was coming from, and he thought I didn't want to, and I said, listen, I, I do want to play, but I just don't want to, you know, overdo it. I want to be right for the season. So then he said, well, I need a centre-forward. And then he went out and got another couple of centre-forwards. Um, and the first six games, I was on the bench. So from being like second top scorer in the first season, I, I couldn't understand. So um, then he started playing me in the reserves and it just, I thought, no, I need to get away from this. So, so yeah, so I think there were other, I think there were Northern Irish clubs in for me as well, but he, he wouldn't let me go. And I did go on trial with Rochdale back uh, back in England. Um, but at the time I was doing a sports, um, sport, a fitness instructor course. And unfortunately at the time they wanted to take me on loan. I had, I had some exams. Plus, as well, I don't think Dolan was was um, stuck on sending me over there anyway. So yeah, so you get a lot of this in football, unfortunately, and it and it held me back. And like I said, if it wasn't for him, I would have. I think I would have seen out my career over there, and probably would have married over. You know, married my wife over there, and because she had a job in Dublin, 
and uh, we bought an apartment in Blanchard's town, and things were things were good. Yeah, you know. So he's basically so, punished you for being injured. Well, yeah, from uh, yeah. You know, it's it's crazy how that's happened. Like you know, because you did you had a very successful career mapped out for yourself in Ireland. You know, you, you knew the league. Yeah. You, you were working the league. Yeah, there was no issue. I, I would have stayed. I would have stayed over there because I loved it. Yeah, and look, you didn't, you didn't leave Pat's without sinking one past us in the showgrounds as well. Yeah, on my return. Yeah, <laughs> I remember Bo- Matthew Boswell. I still keep in touch with him, the, the goalkeeper. He, yeah, um, it, it was good to get one past him because he never shuts up. <laughs> How but did you yeah, find was, your reception uh, when you came back that time? Yeah, it wasn't bad. I, I don't think I got booed or anything. Because the um, showgrounds could have been accepted. quite a hostile place back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was hostile as a as a Sligo player when you used to come <laughs> out of that cage. That's yeah, right. But, coming um, out through I the think, old shed. Yeah, from the old shed. Yeah, they, they don't have a stand there now, do they? No, nothing there at the moment. It's no. Part of the I think maybe eventually you have got potential to put a stand there if you you know progress and bring in a bit more money. You know, hopefully a bit more success, and I'm sure that you'll get four sides again. Oh, that's well, that's the plan we released. I, you might not have seen it, but uh, we released the master plan um, project, All right. project there earlier on in the year. And it's for the, to turn the stadium into a 6,000 seater capacity stadium. Oh, so, brilliant. Yeah. With clubhouse and everything else involved in it. So it'll be a, it'll be a brilliant job when it's done. But uh, yeah, that's the plan for that. But tell us once you leave Pat, so you, you head back over to the national league in England. Yeah, I came back over to the National League and um, it was, well, it was a nationwide conference then. I started playing for a team um, who I'd signed f- uh, to go to Bolton Wanderers when I was 19, 20, can't remember exactly, but um, they were called Lee RMI. They're, they're no longer a team anymore. They've um, disbanded uh, money problems Um and from there, I went to play for another team called Staley Bridge Celtic and Chorley. And my last club I was at when I picked my injury, it was Altrincham, sort of like a, a Manchester non-league side. And tell us, that's that horrific injury now that, if nobody knows, yeah. it broke your fibia and tibia, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, it was a late challenge. Um I'd only been on the field two or three minutes. I'd come on as sub, and um, it was it was a late challenge. Um, a the guy was never he was never in control because he lunged in and he's he was airborne. So once you're airborne, you're not in control. I had a I had a pass come to me. Um, I wanted to take it on my right foot, but there wasn't enough pace. Oh, sorry, I wanted to let it go through to my left, but there wasn't enough pace for it. So I had to adjust my body, and then I side-footed it. This is inside the area, just inside the area. I adjusted my body, side-footed it with my right foot. Now, the goalkeeper was probably about 12, 13 feet away. He's actually parried it, and after he's parried it, or as he's parrying it, that's when the centre-half came through me. So my right foot, on its way back down from striking the ball, as it implanted into the ground, the guy, the centre-half, was airborne. His front leg, if you can imagine, you know when you jump in a hurdle, like, an, yeah. you know, an athlete, when they're going over a yeah. hurdle, so you have your front leg out and you 
and your back leg sort of bent and clenched. Yeah. Well, it wasn't his front foot that did me. It was when my foot went into the ground, his trailing leg, so his knee. Now, if you have your knee bent, it's like a sledgehammer. So that came through me and broke my leg, yeah. And do you Terrible. feel that was a, it was a malicious challenge at the time? You don't feel like... Well, he never he never apologised. He never signed the card from the other team when I was in hospital. They were all saying he wasn't that kind of play. He wasn't malicious. It wasn't intent. I don't know. It was it, it was uh, it was negligent, you know. But it, yeah, I, I I could never say. But it it finished my career. It was uh, like I said, it was the worst day of my life. Um, I was on the ground. Everyone on the ground heard the break. It was that loud. Um, the ambulance was delayed getting to the to the ground. It, it, if it wasn't for the club doctor and the physio, uh, I'd have lost my foot because they had to perform traction on me. Um, I think one of my um, some some my bone was blocking blood supply to my foot, so they had to really be on it. And to be fair, some they were uh, went to hospital and. Yeah, I was in hospital for five days, two operations. And the centre so, half in question, Danny White, he never, he never even apologised or made contact no. with you or anything after that. No, no. The next, yeah, the next time I saw him was in court because I took it, I took it legal. Um, yeah, because it made national press in England. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Well, it was a big thing because it was like the first time in non-league that. You know, someone someone was taking a club on and a player to call it. Um, listen, ending my career, I reckon. I mean, I was twenty nine. That was in the March. I was thirty in the July. So I was still. I reckon I still had another four or five years at that level easily. Easily, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the downside of it was the the club Ashton United. They were one of the oldest clubs, um, non-league clubs. Um, they had money problems and plus they didn't have insurance covering their players uh, away from home, only on the home ground. So that was a big thing. Um, I got the best of a bad situation. I should have been getting a six-figure sum. In the end, I got £32,500, but nothing really. No, in the grand no. scheme of things, when you think about, you know, you're talking about maybe five years off your career, there's a still a lot of know, earnings yeah. there to be made. Yeah. You know, so at, at 29, you're still young. You know, yeah. it's not like you were destined just to stay at that level. You could have risen up again. You know, as you say, scored the right goal at the right time. You don't know who's watching. That's it. Yeah. So, Jesus, it's not a great. Sign. I mean, look at, I mean, look at um, Jamie Vardy, prime example. I mean, he probably. He's come through like the lower league, non-league, lower leagues, and then he's he's thirty-four now. He's still doing it. Yeah, exactly. You just you don't know, you know. As I'm you not said, saying as I'm, I'm not saying I'm as good as Jamie Vardy, but <laughs> it just it just shows that you know maybe at twenty-nine, you know, you're sort of in your prime then. Yeah, anything could happen. But Marcus, tell us what's been happening since. So, sorry, I just had a, a call coming through then from oh. my wife. <laughs> <laughs> So sorry, tell us um, what's been going on in the in the life of Marcus Hallows. Well, you probably know that I do have um, a job on the side as uh, the king of rock and roll. We we we've heard whispers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I've, I've been, you know, I'm yet to come to Sligo and perform, and it's it might be on the cards, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, I have I have done two gigs for St Pat's oh, in really? Dublin. Yeah, I've been over, and Liam's Liam's been present at one of them. Um, Is that maybe the reason it hasn't done... happened for Rovers? Has he heard you and thought maybe not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he was present actually um, at the. It was when they last won the FAI Cup. So you're probably going back about five or six years, I would say. But, I can't yeah. remember. Yes, yeah, roughly five or six years ago. So they had a big um, end of season do, player of the season, etc. Um, yeah, they had the cup on display, stuff like that. And so, yeah, they, they rang me up and they did something similar to this. Where, where are they now? They heard I was doing Elvis Presley, so... He said, "We'll have to get you over." So I went over and did, and did a spot at the um, the end of season do. And tell and us, then, how did you end up in in this? Like, how does how do you end up being an Elvis impersonator? <laughs> well, funnily enough, it all started when I was at Sligo. Oh um, yeah. When we used to go on the the bus to Cork or Dublin when we played away from home, the uh, goalkeeper Nicky Brujos. As you know, he's 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 quite fond of his guitar, and he used to throw the guitar in uh, under the bus or at the back of the bus. And um, if we had a victory, a few beers would come out on the coach, and he'd get his guitar out, and I'd be on the front on the microphone <laughs> singing a bit of Elvis, <laughs> and uh, just just for the crack. And and it sort of started there, and then when my career ended. I well before my career ended, I did get an Elvis suit and I was doing a few gigs just for like family and friends. And then when my career finished, I sort of went into it more. So I've been doing it like 16 years now. So there is a full time profession involved with it. Well, it's part time, yeah. I do. Um, I, I probably could go full time, but I, I have a job in construction in, okay. as my full time job, and I do Elvis Presley on the on the side as my my second job, yeah. Well, we're going to have to so, make that happen. Yeah, definitely. Well, I've been in touch with Colin Feely, so he's I've left it to him. Listen, okay. do you know what? I think it'd be a, a great fundraiser for the club. Um, you know, get 200, 300 people in one of the hotels there, get ex-player Elvis, ex-player now Elvis Presley. What's not to like? I think it'd be a sellout. What do you think? Absolutely. I, I think it has to happen. Definitely. Definitely. So I'm thinking, what are you, third in the league or second at the moment? Third in the league at the moment, yeah. Uh, you know, have a good season. Let's get something sorted uh, for the end of season, do. Well, then, look, you leave it on our <laughs> side as well. We'll try and force the club a wee bit yeah. more and see if we make this happen. You're going to have to sing us off, though, Marcus. That's, you're going to have to do yeah. that for us. Hey, but, but say, hey, was that good at St. Pat's? They actually had me back for the 90th anniversary. Last year. Well, there's your selling well, last point year, alone. Year before. There's your selling point alone that we have to get you over. <laughs> so it is. Well, look, what do you want me to sing? Well, any, whatever well, you choose. Whatever you choose. It'd have to be a ballad. It'd have to be something what I could do without any backing music. Well, you so, take a couple of seconds there. What about Are You Lonesome Tonight? Perfect. Go on it. Because I don't need any backing tracks for that, really. Are you ready? Go ahead. 
three, two, one. Are you lonesome tonight? Will you miss me tonight? Are you sorry we drifted apart? Does your memory stray to a brighter summer day? When I kissed you and called you sweetheart. I'll do. <laughs> well, what can we say, folks? There you go. Goal scorer extraordinaire, Taron Elvis, Presley impersonator. Marcus Hallows, thanks a million for joining us on the podcast tonight. It's been absolutely fantastic, mate. We really appreciate it. Thanks for that. having me. And um, hopefully we'll make this, ha- this night happen when the king... Of rock and roll returns. Absolutely. In the showground. <laughs> Marcus, thanks a million. Cheers. So that's uh, Marcus Hallows, uh, all, an entertainer in the showgrounds uh, uh, and still an entertainer today. Donner, is that fair to say? Oh, without a doubt, it's fair to say. Ah, he's a good lad. Very good lad. I enjoyed talking to him there. He's uh, got some good stories and that and had a very good career, to be fair to him. He was yeah. a prolific striker in the league. Absolutely, and uh, injury got the better of him in the end, didn't it? Yeah, unfortunately, that horrific injury that ends his career. Not much publicised case in the UK, but look, he seems to have come out the better of it in the end anyway, so it's not yeah. all doom and gloom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so um, as we said before uh, the Marcus Harrell's interview, uh, we start our final set of games away to Drada United, and... Um, you know, I saw the draw the manager. He was sitting a couple of, uh, Tim Clancy was sitting a couple of seats away from me uh, for the loss at home to Finn Harps. And um, he obviously knew that he was playing Rovers uh, in the next kind of set of games. And he would have been very happy, uh, Magoo. I think he would, probably would have seen a nice little blue, blue, a blueprint for himself um, on the back of the Harps game. Uh, yeah, well, I suppose it wasn't our best. Although, like, you know, and... That Harps game, we should have won it. Like so, you know, we 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 created a couple of chances that he know the threat is still there from us. Um, like even without our recent form, um, if we were in good form, this is this would be a tough game. It's a tough place to go. Like so, it's not really going to change our mindset. I don't think that we know we're going we're heading to a tough game. We have to be up for it and. You know, it's it's time now to start. It's just shit or get off the pot from here on in, isn't it? There's no, not like nothing can be, you know, like this time next week. I don't want to be sitting here this time next week here and fucking we give a good account of ourselves or any of that nonsense. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the time for that is gone. Like I don't, I don't care. I don't care if we go up there and play horribly and get battered and score for the whole game as long as we come away with something. It's yeah. all about points now. It's all about it. Like, like at the start of the season, Sean, I remember you saying that um, we were down to 10 men in a couple of games and you said it's like um, in, we were so good when we went down to the 10 men in the, in the couple of games. We were so hard to break down and we looked so resilient and strong that it was like we trained that way for the, yeah. going down to te- the eventuality of going down to 10 men and stuff like that. But we looked so good and never looked in danger of getting bit. And like, why can we not just employ something like that? Just like if if we have to just even get a draw and get it over the line and get stop the rot and get back on the horse and all that, like on that's what I would have done with the the last game against Derry. Like I would have with, with 15 to go or 10 to go, I would have taken the draw instead of trying to yeah. keep going for the win. But at some stage you have to just 
bite the bullet and say, never mind about style and, you know, put the football to one side. Like, United Park isn't the best place to, be going to play football anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying sit 10 men behind the ball and hoof it up the pitch, but I'm saying start off with, you have a point on the board before you go onto the pitch and uh, no matter what you do, don't come back off the pitch without it, at least. Yeah. Um, Drada coming off the back of a win against Dundalk and their last win was about seven games before that um, when they beat Finn Harps uh, at home. Um, so, like, I suppose what we've seen over the last number of weeks is that, you know, you know, we've seen games that we should have won so we can we can maintain possession, although we do cough it up awful easily, but we do we do get into att- attacking positions. Um, we do put pr- teams under pressure, but we've been unable to convert more than one goal, really. That's been the problem recently. So, Sean, are you, are you more confident now with the firepower that's come in that we can capitalise on the possession that we, we have and the attack and play that we have? I think you have to be more confident, yeah. I think there's a little bit more to us now up top. I think that, that little bit of experience from Wright, even though he's a young player, but he's had experience in the league and he's a, he's a proven goal scorer. So I think that's, it's going to bode well for us. And I think, you know, I really do believe you have to put someone beside him now as well, the likes of Johnny Kenny. I think we need to be more, more vicious in attack. I think we've been, we've been tentative so far, so I think we need to start throwing a little bit more up top. And I think going with two up top might be the best option for us at the moment, especially to try and get some goals and get back into a goal-scoring form. Because we were, we were excellent at the start of the season and goals weren't an issue. You know, we were, we were fairly clinical, but um, as we all know, it's completely dried up at the moment. So, no, I think Andre and even Lorenzen, like I'm looking forward to getting a look at him, you know, to see what he's going to bring to the table for us yeah. in an attacking sense. So, look, I think this... This Friday night is the is the night to do it. Let's get back on the scoreboard at least, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> and as, I'd agree with Magudo. Is even just get something from the game, get a point. Let's not t- let's not talk about good performances and losses. Let's just, uh, even if we have to talk about a shit performance and a draw or a win, I'd be far happier. Yeah, Jerry, do you think the lads, the two, or any of the new players coming in can hit the ground run? Or um, are we, um, you know, is that a worry for you? The fact that you know, these lads haven't played competitive football with the Rovers yet. No, I don't think it's a worry um, at all. I'd say they'll be uh, probably raring to go if anything and uh, chomping at the bit. So, no, I wouldn't be worried about them. Um, and, you know, like, they have something to prove as well. Like, you know, that, you know, they haven't played football in a long time and, you know, they have, I suppose, something to prove to people that, you know, maybe they didn't do so well at their last clubs and they want to get back on the, the radar. So, no, it's great. I think um, they look like really two really, really good additions. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm more confident now than I would have been, uh, say, a few weeks ago. I think they give the, the squad probably a better balance um, overall and give us different options as well. Also, that little bit of height and physicality that we're probably missing at times. You know, like Andre Wright, uh, you know, he's, he's a strong, strong lad. He'll hold the ball up uh, really, really well. And then Lorenzen, you know, what he's six foot three, uh, good pace, well able to hold on to the ball, play anywhere across the front three or out on the wing. Uh, and again, pace and power. So, look, I think I think we've made two very, very good signings. And I I think they could be the difference between us uh, qualifying for Europe and not. And I, I think I, I'm a lot more confident that we will now. I don't know that anyone see it earlier on today. Um, someone had a had a tweet up about Andre Wright or that and a, a Rovers fan, but a Bulls fan replied to him. Yeah, the goal. Look, yeah, and showed the goal 
it says I can't wait to see Andre scoring and it says oh this looks familiar or whatever it was and they threw up Andre Wright yes. scoring against us last season Yeah. but what I actually took from it was the type of goal he scored against us where it was just pure physicality and determination to get to the ball within the six yeah. yard box it's something we've missed all season yeah the one word that came to my mind when he scored was appetite yeah that's a, he yeah. just wanted to get in there and score he just get something on it and get it home and that's we've been missing that that just that little bit of bite in there. And I think you know that's that's gonna be crucial for us. Um I think we can also see as well that we will hope to see that it, it if Andre Wright can hold the ball up like we anticipate he will, like we've seen him do for Bowes, that it should pay off for Johnny Kenny too. We should see Johnny Kenny having to do less kind of donkey work, uh are yeah. chasing lost causes. Um well and it's, actually, it's, 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 He'll, he'll have to chase less causes if there's two men up front. Like, uh, yeah. but, you know, if we, if we walk, go to a 3 5 2, um, look, what you want with your centre forwards, you don't really want them going outside the width of even the, the posts, never mind the, the 18 yard box. And if you look at a lot of the runs that Johnny's had to make, um, having down, say, channels or, you know, outside the box. So naturally, with two up front, you know, they're going to be able to play off each other. You'd like to think that. You know, one will stay between the, the posts and the other one won't go too far beyond that. And it'll give us, again, just going back, a better balance, I think. Yeah. That's like you're, what you're talking about there, Connor, as well as where I'm going with the two up top is if where Johnny's not chasing anything. But if he's, if he's playing off Andre, who's going to hold up the ball and flick it on for him, like you're talking about a serious, serious partnership there. And then with Andre's desire to get turned and get in and help Johnny again and give him the option again to maybe lay it back to him. Yeah. But I don't and think the there's thing, many centre-half yeah. parents that can deal with that in the league. Well, the thing with playing two up front as well, Sean, is that you you don't want them being more than 10 yards away from each other. No. Because if they are, they're not playing off each other. So that in itself, you know, will lead to us being, having more players in and around the box. And that's why in my opinion we haven't scored goals is because we get, when we do get the ball in the box there's nobody in there Yeah. but with two up front it doubles your options it gives you more of a more of a, a better shape again and you know I think that in itself will create chances and like you've seen like the goal that you mentioned there where Andre scored against Rovers there last season like you, you see the amount of both players that are in around the box but Andre writes on the end of the ball inside the six yard box that's where we, we we haven't had anybody like that because we played one up front and it's been too disjointed, too too much distance between players. But I think this, you know, this this, this should work for us, I think. Naturally, we're doubling the number, right? I can't I can't see it being three five two this weekend though. No, probably not. Not away. Too much too much too much change to so throwing Andre and throwing Robbie back in, changing the formation completely. Greg coming back in from injury. There's too I'd many... like to see it though, because like what you said earlier on, Magoo, is uh, it's the what the uh, definite definition of insanity. So, in my opinion, I think we do need to change it up. Not, and I know what you're saying as well. It probably won't, but it's the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. If you've got different mean- players and you've got different options, just just be brave. Just go and do it. Don't always just stick. Like, because you know, Connor, you were sitting beside a. Uh, uh, Tim Clancy in this in the stand uh, three weeks ago, and like Tim Clancy's got his homework done in that. But like, why not go there with a different setup? Throw them a curveball. Be brave. You know, go yeah. for the go for the win. We need to win games. Don't point yeah, fucking. For me, Jerry, if 
if, if to me, Jerry, if we lose this game, we can forget about it. Oh, oh yeah, listen. I I, yeah, it's a game we, we don't we have to. Go. Say, I, I, you know, send... I know we said that a lot. We said that many <laughs> times, but yeah. like, you can send that It really is getting to. No, well, like, this even, is. Even a, even a draw this weekend will, will, and I don't want to draw, but I keep saying it. We have to stop the route. We have to get, well, just get something on the board. Yeah. And then take it from there. Well, this oh, is if we yeah. lose, we can find, we actually, we can possibly drop out of the top four. So, like, it's not an option. We can't lose. We, we uh, can't yeah. lose but this we, game. But, 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 you know, does, does, uh, look, we've lost seven in a row. So, by changing the shape, does that mean that we have a greater chance of losing when we've lost seven already with the shape that we currently have? So, you know, I think the manager needs to be brave. The players need to be brave. You look yeah, at Ireland. Change personnel, though. Yeah, but look, you look at Ireland there tonight. Uh, they have a different personnel every time they play. They're playing 3-5-2 against Portugal away and they're winning one and a half time. So, you know, I don't know. Just I just think that we should change and, and why not? And be brave. Come here, what's, where are we with uh, McCourt, uh, Bulger, uh, anybody else? What about um, more? I think it's a full, I think it's a full uh, compliment. Full compliment this weekend, yeah, as far as I'm aware. Oh, that'd be, that'd be great. First time in a long time. Yeah, well, if you're getting back to that reliable back four, like the only thing you'd have to take into account is McCourt hasn't played for a long time. Like, yeah. I'd assume he's fit enough anyway. Yeah, but it's a hand injury. So, I mean, he, he could, yeah. I imagine he'd be able to maintain. Oh, but it's just in, in game. Yeah, In-game yeah, fitness sure, is always sure. different, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, listen, I suppose um, it'd be great if we didn't see another tweet from Leo Gray about uh, eight consecutive losses. No. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, any, anything else on the draw the game? Any other thoughts? Or, uh, you can get your shouts from the shed end uh, what team do you what team do you think he goes with personnel wise have a think about that have a think about that as I give out the uh, shout to the shed end number well I've just lost it hold on hold on here we go 085-815-9767 get your thoughts in after uh, we uh, we we dispatch of uh, Drahara on uh, Friday night uh, get your thoughts off your chest uh, let us know what you thought of the performances of uh, the new players if we got to see them um, or do we uh, change up our uh, formation and did it work out? So it's 0858159767. So what, what question are we asking? What would we like to see on uh, on, on Friday night? Uh, formation-wise, is that what we're... Uh, whatever you think, personnel, formation, whatever formation you think he's going to go with, what would you think personnel-wise? Who does he go with? Well, I, like, there's I think... No guarantee, I suppose there's no guarantee he even goes with two up top. No, but I would imagine if... like I think there's more chance of the... There's more. I think we'll definitely see right play because we have to. Um, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see McCourt or if maybe McCourt comes off the bench because I think we know what the manager. Um, he just mightn't be willing to to rush a player back in that from that situation. Um, I'd say you probably agree with me on that. Most I think most people would agree on on that. Um, and I think I think I think that that wouldn't go for Bulger though. I think if Bulger's fit, uh, he could be inclined to play Bulger and yeah. uh, McDonald in the middle. You think he so you you reckon he's sticking with a four two three one and dropping Nile? Is it? I yeah. Well, so but do you think Nile is fit, Shane? Do you? Um, I don't know. Sean was saying as far as I know, they're, they're all fit. I'd say play. I'd I would say he would play Nile ahead of uh, Adam. 
at the weekend yeah. Yeah, with, with, with Bulger. I think I think Niall is more defensively minded. So I think he would away from home, he'd probably play him. Yeah, that's that's true. And I'd say we'd, I'd say as Sean said, we'd stick with the same formation, four, two, three, one. And I'd say you'll see Melvin on the left, and you could you could see um I'm trying to think who you play on the right. Like you could you could see Johnny on the right because I think Johnny mm. would feel I think Johnny would find himself very unlucky to be dropped again. If I he, think it's harsh to drop him again, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But like you, you have the situation where Wright's coming in, like and and yeah. you know, we've we've chased Wright for what is it, six, seven, eight months now, whatever since the end of last season. So like you're bringing him into play. So like he has to play. Like, but the other the only other downside of that is that he probably won't last the 90 minutes. And will Johnny last the 90 minutes out in the right here and up and down the place? Because you know what he's like. There's no there'll be no rest, it'll be <clears throat> road running around the place. So but I'd say you could see Johnny on the right, Melvin left with right up top. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'll stick a curveball in if I pick the team and put Shamey Kyo in the number 10 position. Oh. Oh. And, and, uh, yeah. and why wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, he's, he's he's good on the ball. He's decent and he uses the ball well. He, he uses it for it. Like he's not a, a what a traditional number 10, maybe where you'll you'll he'd be jinking around beating fellas, maybe or stuff, but he can see a pass and he used the ball very well. He, he he work his balls off like so. Yeah, listen, we all want to see another um, you know academy graduate uh, get on get into the starting eleven, and I would be all for it definitely. Or you, know, you could also you could also see yeah, Adam McDonald in the number ten. Yeah, yeah. I you think Johnny. What, do you know what? I kind of I, I kind of prefer that. Uh, yeah, that's nothing against them. Um, I go with that Jamie. as well. I go with Adam in the in the number ten role as well. Judging from what we've seen from him so far, I think he's been very impressive. Yeah, Jerry. Yeah, look, I'd like to go three five two uh, with Johnny and uh, right up front uh, with your two wing backs and Courts and Banks uh, in the middle. Then yeah, I'd probably go with um, obviously Bulger. Uh, I'd stick with McDonald as well and uh, Moran then too. So that's that's what I'd go with. But yeah. like as you're saying, I pro- probably won't be like that. But um, obviously, look, if you're chasing a player for this long. Uh, in terms of Andre Wright, you know, you don't leave him out. You know, you're obviously after making a big play to sign yeah. him, so you just we, can't. We've 11 games. There, there isn't time to... You, you, there there's more than that, no? I think there's more. Games left, we? 13, no? Jesus, I don't think so. We've, we've, won, we've won round of games left, haven't we? We've more than that, no? I think we've 13 games left. No, I think we've 11. Okay. Well, there could be a couple of postponed games in there, though. Yeah, there is. There's oh. two plus one games, which makes it 13. Ah, yes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, pardon. Um, so, yeah, yeah, okay. So, listen, I think, um, yeah, I don't think there's time, whatever amount of games, 13 games left, um, you know, and as Jerry said, um, he's been a big investment. We need to, another thing we didn't talk about in the podcast, uh, Magoo, is <laughs> nobody has been, uh, nobody has been more behind uh, the Andre Wright campaign Andrew Wright to Rovers campaign than Magoo. Uh, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> long time. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. I know we're going to write eventually. <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about it in the podcast, but uh, you know, every fortnight we got an update from Magoo privately. <laughs> it's it's happening. It's it's absolutely <laughs> happening. <laughs> um, maybe maybe from maybe it's been longer than for the duration of the season. But anyway, here he is. So um, 
Yeah, I, I just I willed it. I willed it into existence. <laughs> yeah. One one other thing is one other thing before we finish up. Um, look, and it's still a bit grey at the moment, but uh, the government restrictions uh, going to fifty percent capacity. So I, I know it's still a little bit grey, but that that's uh, that sounds like positive news for for all the supporters and uh, you know. That should, you know, if we go to 50%, we're what at 2000. So that's in and around our average crowd. So yeah. hopefully everybody can be accommodated then and we, we get back to the most uh, normal stroke, abnormal thing that we all know in the world, Sligo Rovers. Yeah. Listen, on that note, um, we remind people to buy their tickets uh, for the Bitter Red uh, visit to the White Hag. Um, 35 euro on the Bitter Red Trust website, borst.ie. You'll find the link to the article on the homepage that leads you to um, where you can purchase your ticket. We will uh, we'll wrap things up. Um, okay, so that's a wrap, lads. I think have we covered everything we want to cover. Somebody in the jacks. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's no toilet where I am. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Jerry, good luck. <laughs> Thanks, Connor. Connor, we'll talk to you next week. Chat you later, Connor. And Magoo, he's muted, so I don't know if he's going to say goodbye to me. But oh, here we go, Magoo. Yes, good luck. Too late. Good, good luck. Good luck. We will wrap up episode forty of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast. Adios. Good luck, everybody. Adios. When Sean McGrover's got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up, and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud of coming without one. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilali. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson. 1-1. It's brilliant. Brilliant.